0: You do the pleasure. Hi there. I want to talk to you about ducks. No, thanks. What about I don't want to go. wherever you All right. Now that's a good idea. Okay, let's go. Give me the
1: stars. Oh, 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 you're you thinking about a plate of
0: shrimp? Okay. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate, or shrimp, or oh. plate oh. of shrimp. Out
1: of the blue. No explanation. No point. Look at it is. all part of the cosmic unconsciousness. Oh, yeah,
0: Come out. play. I don't make monkeys. I just trade them, Pee Wee. Listen to reason. Come on.
1: Listen to reason. Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris. And joining me for this episode, I have a very special returning guest that I'm going to introduce to you in just a couple seconds. But before I do, let me just remind everyone that the Cult Film Companion podcast is now available on all streaming podcast platforms, all major podcast platforms. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cult Film Comp, C U L T F I L M C O M P. And please check out the blind knowledge creative collective at www.blindknowledge.com which is a great site to check out podcasts and videocasts from around the world featuring interesting topics that are brought to you in a creative and informative way we are also a featured podcast on newsly newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android that picks up the latest trending articles based on topics that you choose to follow and then reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Download and use Newsly for free today at www.newsly.me and please use the promo code C-U-L-T-F-1-L-M. That's cult film. Drop the I, pop in a one, and get a month free of Newsly's premium service courtesy of us. And with all that out of the way, now it's time for me to reintroduce a uh, very special returning guest, Mr. Austin Trunick. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always very interesting when you come on the show. And um, just refresh everyone's memory, we are now up to Volume 2 of the Canon Film Guide, correct?
0: That is correct. Yes, Volume 2 was released earlier this summer. Now it's available in softcover, hardcover, and Kindle for... uh, Oh, you uh, if you prefer an ebook, it's quite a heavy book. So yeah. I, uh, I have don't seen hold that against anybody.
1: Yeah. It's, it's all over Twitter and the internet where, well, at least the people that I follow, um, people getting the, uh, the physical copies of the book. I prefer, personally prefer physical media myself. So there will be a link for, um, Austin's books, books. So we've got Candid film
0: volume one volume two any word on is there going to be a volume three volume three i am on the hook for it i am on contract with my publisher so i've been working working away at it it's going to okay. be a while before that's out but I, it is in the works
1: <laughs> okay so you are uh, contractually obligated to deliver us all a volume three which i'm sure most of the people listening to us are very much looking forward to and i know that you've been featured now was this documentary about canon or is this about you specifically
0: oh the the recent well the the documentary i was recently involved in was called uh, scranton's championship season and it was about the making of that championship season which was a early canon film 1982 um and it starred martin sheen paul sorvino uh bruce stern stacy Keach, and robert mitchum so really the best probably easily the best cast canon i've ever gotten one place but the movie was shot in scranton back in back in the early 80s and a group of filmmakers there sort of put together this this documentary to celebrate the 40th anniversary of that film and and what it did for the community of of scranton pennsylvania
1: excellent uh i actually lived in scranton pennsylvania for about six months so um but i wasn't there during baseball season i was there during the winter and um oh. the winters in scranton pennsylvania are not uh they well at least this year was not kind so uh, i i'm sure but that that is a remarkable cast but speaking of remarkable casts let's talk about our movie of the week which is street smart now i'm going to read off some some facts that i got from Uh, My research here. Now, if anything that I say is incorrect, please, please correct me, because uh, for those of you who don't know, Austin probably has, I'm going to say probably like the Ph.D. in canon history. So he's he's the (laughs) professor and I'm merely the student. So let me let me get off some some quick facts here before we talk about a movie that uh, I hadn't seen until recently. And is not what you would consider typical Canon fare from the nineteen eighties, and we'll get into why uh, the 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 real reasons why this movie was funded will become abundantly clear in our discussion I'm sure so this is street Mar- street smart, which was released march
0: twentieth nineteen eighty seven is that correct released um delayed release the different territories got it in different places. So oh, okay. yes, but nineteen eighty seven, all over nineteen eighty seven. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's a great that's a great date on it.
1: All right. And the budget was around six million dollars and this movie while it was well received critically, particularly for the performances of the the, the actors, but uh, didn't fare too well to Boxes, bringing in probably a little over a million, kind of a commercial failure. And this was directed by Jerry Schatzberg, and I know that the only other thing that I think that I've seen that he's directed is a movie called Panic in Needle Park, starring Al Pacino, which is about um, heroin addiction and was written by David Freeman and was, of course, produced by Yoram Golobis and Mahanam Golan. The reason that I say we have such a great cast here is that we have Christopher Reeve ostensibly playing against type in a gritty R-rated movie. He is backed up by Kathy Baker, Mimi Rogers, and a—I'm not sure if this was his first theatrical movie, but this was the one that really put him on the uh, map—Morgan Freeman— who yes. who earned an Academy Award nomination, if I'm not mistaken, for this role for Best Supporting Actor.
0: Yes, his first of many. Yes <laughs> to come, yeah.
1: So if you've <laughs> never if you've never seen Street Smart and for whatever reason, the fact that it's a canon movie, because as much as there are the people that like canon movies, there are the other people that will see the Canon logo and think, Oh god, this is gonna be action schlock and uh I'm not on board with this. This is, um, like I said, this is kind of a rarity for Canon. Um, and I mean, they, they have done like what you mentioned previously that, um, that the baseball movie, but they're they were known primarily in the eighties for, produ- you know, mass producing action movies or sci-fi movies. And, um, very much on a, a, a pretty tight budget. And, you know, a lot of Chuck Norris and a lot of, uh, Charles Bronson and some Stallone, but, here we've got um, a very gritty, kind of grounded, street-based movie about, uh, uh, I believe, so Christopher Reeve plays Jonathan Fisher, who's a, a reporter, and he, he, he tells his editor that he can get a story about, um, he calls it um, a lifestyle piece, and it's going to be the lifestyles of a, of a street pimp in New York City, but he quickly finds that no one, um, I mean, I, I would kind of think that this would be pretty obvious to someone, that an outsider trying to find information about a street pimp, um, once they find out you're a reporter, I don't think you're going to find many street walkers or pimps or anyone involved in this sort of seedy lifestyle that's going to be willing to talk, and that is, that is the case for... For Christopher Reeve here, so he does what any good reporter would do, um, and makes up the story. He fabricates the story based on some very loose kind of um, facts and hearsay that he gets from certain people, but um, this story becomes an, an issue because it seems to um, actually be about Morgan Freeman's character, who is being investigated for a murder. And this movie kind of you know this movie is basically then you know reporter versus pimp and there's the uh, attorney general's involved and Christopher Reeve's girlfriends involved and this this prostitute that Christopher Reeve gets involved with it becomes a real tangled web of um what what do, what does one do you know when the truth is actually revealed and uh christopher Reeve finds himself actually you know in trouble for um not wanting to reveal his sources and is incarcerated for a period of time and you know Fats uh, fast black- as portrayed by Morgan Freeman is quickly trying to um to find the best way out of this situation because he is being investigated and charged with a murder. But, um, Austin, could you give us a little bit of background about this movie? Because I know that Christopher Reeve in an interview said that, you know, around 1985 he was kind of done with Superman. He wasn't getting any roles that he was particularly interested in. And uh, I actually, one of the only roles that he was interested in but lost was um, the lead and the running man to Arnold Schwarzenegger. But he found this screenplay for Street Smart. That, that, but this screenplay has been around. And so we're talking 85, 86 here when he f- rediscovers the screenplay. This screenplay has been around, according to my research, since 1980. Is that is that mm-hmm. accurate?
0: That's correct. The screenplay, uh, interestingly, was actually inspired—not obviously not based on the real story—but inspired by something that the screenwriter David Freeman had done as a journalist for New York Magazine. Back in the '60s, he had actually written a story called "Lifestyle of a Pimp." It's—it was published in the magazine, and you can go actually read it on um, Google, um, the Google Books. If you—if you pull it up. And he had completely made it up. It was a fictionalized story, not a not a real character. Just like we've seen in it. Of course, he never got caught. Um, it did, he didn't. This didn't come out until he was promoting the movie Street Smart, which was based on his experience. Sort of coming up with all the story, the screenplay. What happens to Christopher Reeve's character beyond just making up this 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 fake pimp to profile in the magazine? But yes, it is. It is a screenplay that had been floating around. It'd been sitting on Christopher Reeves' shelf for a while. It received it I I don't know what it, at what point, but it kind of just like thumbed through it and, and stuck on a shelf and never never really thought of it for for years. Right. But then Canon, they had bought the the sequel rights from the Salkins, the pre the producers of the previous Superman films, the rights to make a Superman four and I think in the Salkins' eyes, they saw Superman 3 and how that was kind of a a box office disappointment, even though it still did pretty darn well. Um, they kind of saw the writing on the wall that there was going to be diminishing returns for these Superman films. And in addition to that, Christopher Reeve had gone, on the record, he'd gone on talk shows saying that he's, he- not, he's done playing Superman. He actually
1: right.
0: walked out on a... He was supposed to have a role in the Supergirl movie but wouldn't do it because he was so tired of tired of playing Superman so yes. I think the Salkins they- thought that they they weren't gonna get Reeve back they uh, another sequel probably wasn't gonna do well anywhere there wasn't it was gonna be diminishing returns and they let Canon have the rights they let Canon buy them for yeah, what what was probably probably not much I don't know the figure but considering it's Canon they wouldn't have spent that much on it. No, and I I know that
1: yeah yes like you said uh Christopher Reeve yes it wasn't just like um hearsay or just like an internet rumor or anything we're talking he legitimately said after Superman three that he was done like he he was kind of sick of the Superman huh? stuff and like you said I think that his. His cameo in Supergirl has been reduced to a poster on a wall. I think that he's <laughs> there's a poster of Superman in Supergirl, but that that's the closest you're gonna get to um, to Superman. And from my understanding, and again cor- correct me if I'm wrong, um, basically the way that Canon got Christopher Reeve to come back for Superman four was they had to prop uh, promise him. A couple of things they had to promise him um, complete creative control as far as the script goes of Superman Four, some of the directing responsibilities, and also um, funding another movie first, and that movie would be Street Smart. So this is kind of um, it's it's not. I've covered a couple passion projects on here. For 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 actors or directors, but uh, in a ways this was kind of a passion project for Christopher Reeve because I mean for him to you know renounce Superman say okay I'll come back but I want to do this movie first it it kind of led some credence to my theory that this was a bit of a passion project for Christopher Reeve who was looking to do more dramatic work he he, you know Mm -hmm. he he didn't want to be known as superman forever and unfortunately uh the majority of people when the the first thing that comes to mind when you say christopher reeve is is of course superman um Mm -hmm. so was that is that kind of how this production got Fast tracked because I mean we're talking about a screenplay that was been sitting sitting around for almost a decade now, and now all of a sudden it's uh it's in pre production and you know people are uh, there's actually some steam behind it.
0: Mm Hmm. It's all very accurate. Christopher Reeve had. I mean, it's easy to forget because he is so associated with Superman, but before that role, he was a little known stage actor. They kind of really cast a. Cast an unknown actor when he stepped into that role, and he'd been trained at Juilliard. He was a very serious thespian, and he, he worked on Broadway. Been, you know, he was right. Yeah, it spent. You know, ten his ten years of his career, he was in his mid thirties at this point. Also, felt he was aging out as Superman, but he spent ten years being associated with the character, wearing a cape and tights, and he was he was getting tired of that. Some someone he he actually points to a lot if you read old interviews with him from the mid 80s when he's going through this sort of anti-Superman period. He points to uh, Harrison Ford in Witness and he keeps saying that's Harrison Ford was an actor who was associated with these gigantic pop culture characters mm. and he'd done much more beyond that but Indiana Jones and Han Solo but right. when Witness came out it kind of it made people look at him as a more serious actor and that's I think Chris chris reeve really craved that he kept saying in these interviews multiple times that all he needed was one one witness style hit for people to sort of wash the superman off of him and take him seriously as a as a more rounded actor and it just never came to him either he was stuck in stuck in mediocre movies that when he wasn't doing superman films or movies that no one Really saw he did a merchant ivory film in this point uh, in this place. That tells you the scale of stuff he was getting involved with, right? And do you have street to, smart with something? Oh, good. Um, are
1: you familiar with the movie Death Trap, which is also based on a play, I believe?
0: Hmm, mm, with Michael Caine, correct? Right was that was that before this? That was okay. That was. There's but, there's actually he he has a kiss with Michael Caine in there, and right. Apparently people who had gone to see that in theaters, he was so associated with that character that there there are multiple reports. You look at reviewers at different newspapers around the country talk in their review of Death Trap, commenting that there were people in the audience screaming, no, Superman, don't do it, (laughs) Uh, when he was about to kiss Michael Caine.
1: And of course, if that happened now, um, people would be applauding him. That just kind of... uh... (laughs) But uh I was just curious cuz I know that that I that's actually a pretty it's a pretty good movie but I'm guessing that was probably a very underseen movie.
0: Correct. So that Correct. so
1: yeah and we got to keep in mind yes so we're talking Han Solo and Indiana Jones doing uh Witness and Witness was a huge hit um mm-hmm. critically and commercially. Um now I think that there's potential there was potential for street smart to be that for Christopher Reeve although i have to say that i think <laughs> i think the problem with well not the problem the the issue of this being that movie for him is that anyone that's seen it this is morgan freeman's movie when he is on screen he is magnetic he is so he doesn't seem savage at first for, for a street pimp. He actually seems kind of reasonable and very logical about his business. But when, um, when it comes down to it, he's, he's a savage, brutal person. And unfortunately, I think that he just steals this movie from Christopher Reeve. And I heard some, again, this is, I, I'm not sure about this. It's just based on my research is that, um, Christopher Reeve actually tried to have the script changed at some point to kind of downplay or take out some of the scenes
0: of Morgan Freeman. You have, is that accurate at all? I I actually don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me one one bit. It was a a movie that you you are correct. Uh, Morgan Freeman really really steals the show anytime anytime we see him, and that would have surprised a lot of people. I think they cast it. As him, I mean, he was fifty, a fifty-year-old grandpa at that point already. But he was mostly known from a children's show, The Electric Company, and you you wouldn't expect him to get on there and be as as terrifying, both both terrifying, but also, yeah, very jarringly magnetic character. And yeah, but- I, I I wouldn't have been surprised if if Reeve saw some of these scenes, they acted out some of these scenes and was thinking, Oh, can we, can we cut a few of those? Can we take a few out? (laughs) Yeah. Because,
1: um, don't get me wrong. Christopher Reeve, he's very, very good in this role. Although I, you know, it's hard for me. I try my best not to think Superman when I see him Mm -hmm. uh, in in these, in, in roles like this, but uh, you know, as much as I I try to do it, he's a little. Now we gotta say that his character is. I mean, he's kind of a slime bag. We got we're talking about oh. a reporter that made up a, a complete story, and now all of, all of a sudden he's on the fast track. He's got his own. Not only is he a reporter, now he's got his own weekly TV show, um, a news show um, called Street Smart. That's where the, the title comes from. Um, he this is kind of like a sudden rise to fame for him, but. I mean, it's all based in lies. So he's, there's something about Christopher Reeve. He's a little too charming and he's a little too wholesome looking for me to kind of buy him as a CD reporter. Now I think Mm -hmm. like maybe give him, I don't know if you gave him like um, that five o'clock shadow or some scrubble or something, or maybe not dress him so nicely. But for my liking, just for just my personal opinion watching this movie, he's a little too clean. I still see a little too much of that Boy Scout, that, that Superman Boy Scout. He's a little too clean cut to play. Mm-hmm. Visually, he's a little too clean cut to play the aspects of this very selfish character. Um,
0: mm-hmm. what, what are your thoughts on his performance yeah. in general? You can see where this character would appeal to him because he, the Jonathan Fisher, the, his, his, uh, journalist in this film is very much a, almost a bizarro version of Clark Kent. Yes. This, <laughs> he just does everything. It, it, you said selfish and that's a great word for it. And he's an extremely selfish character. Uh, he, he's a liar. He's, and yet he gets everything he wants and throughout the, <laughs> throughout the film. And, um, you you, I, I don't think it helps uh, Reeves' cause that he plays a character that's just unlikable. Yeah. <laughs> There's something to like about Jonathan Fisher. Whether he's it's because he's a, a scrupulous journalist, he's he builds this entire sort of celebrity news show on this on this lie, or that he cheats on his wife, or he you, I mean even. Even Morgan Freeman's character and Kathy Baker's wonderful um, hooker great, named Punchy, yeah. he he uses both of them just <laughs> just to further his needs. There's there's a great scene where he takes them to this sort of high society um, cocktail hour with his, his the boss of his magazine, the publisher, and and are the two of them are forced to sort of make small talk with all these people, these very wealthy socialites who are clearly looking down on them. And and Morgan Freeman calls him out in the, the scene afterwards about how patronizing he is. And he, he is. Um, <laughs> as, as terrible as Morgan Freeman's character is and as scary as he is, you're going to gravitate towards liking him more because it's easier to see Fast Black's um, positive qualities when it's it's really hard to find any in, in Reeves character other than you know he's you know a very tall, very handsome Christopher Reeve Superman type. Right.
1: I think oh. a little bit of scruff or something. Like he's just he looks like he looks like Clark Kent, but like you said, he's playing like a Bizarro Clark Kent, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the problem. And and that scene you point out is great because we're talking about people. That would uh, generally cross the street from prostitutes and pimps uh, to avoid them, and now all of a sudden they're exploiting them um, mm-hmm. in this in this lavish this this party. This very you know, and then we've got a scene where uh, Christopher Reeve uh, is basically not you know fooling around with Punchy right in front of his is it his wife or is his girlfriend?
0: I think it's his girlfriend, but okay. Um, um, right in unclear. front of her like he's
1: he's <clears throat> he's got no uh scruples anymore no. like this is this is fame going right to your head like immediately this guy becomes this this egocentric um and his only very egocentric person whose only concerns are are once this investigation starts about his news story his only concerns are about himself. Am mm-hmm. I going to go to jail? Like, you, I, you know, well, I'm sorry that there's a murder involved, but uh, what, like, how is this going to affect me and my career? He's, you know, it's, it's not a, yeah, like you said, it's not a likable character and n- neither is Fast Blacks, at, but at times he's just and i got to say that it's just a brilliant performance by morgan freeman that he's going back and forth from being ex- like extremely charming and suave and somewhat you know you know very sh- and he, pardon the pun but very street smart he knows exactly what you know what his lifestyle is and has no um bones about it he's he, he's much more actually honest than 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 Christopher Reeves' character, which is which is an odd juxtaposition to be in, I would say.
0: It is. It is interesting. It, <laughs> Fast Black knows, knows who he is and is honest about it. Right. Well, I don't think not to say too much things, but I don't think Jonathan Fisher ever truly learns a less, lesson. I don't get that that impression in this no. at the at the end of this film. Yeah, we'll get
1: to the ending because that was actually my my least favorite aspect of this movie. I, I didn't too. one of
0: mine too. Okay.
1: All right. So I'm not alone in it because the ending I'd be very cute. Let's just say this before we'll eventually we'll, we'll, talk about the ending shortly, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a studio rewrite, uh, because the ending doesn't seem to kind of match up with the tone of the rest of the movie, but that's just me. Um, a couple things about the production here. Um, It's set in New York City, but I would, uh, from what research I've done, I would say seventy-five percent of this was actually shot in Quebec, Canada. Correct? Is Mm -hmm. that is that accurate?
0: Yeah, they shot really only a few of the Forty Second Street scenes. There's a great, um, several great scenes that are in this sort of coffee shop slash donut shop where he meets with Punchy a few times and mm-hmm. that was shot on 42nd Street. You can actually see um, I believe it's the Warner Twin Theater in the background with a big uh, big Trouble in Little China marquee on it. Oh sweet, I'm going to have to go in back and look for that. Yeah, yeah, look through the window when <laughs> you're, when, there's a great, I mean it's a moment in the film I love and Schatzberg is a strong director and he, he makes some choices I don't <laughs> I, I I I don't like but one that I really like is there's a moment where is meeting with her and you can't hear their conversation. You just sort of see their body language and Mm -hmm. how they're, and it's, you can, in that scene, it's a, it's a wonderful moment, but you also, it's also easy to be be distracted by the big trouble in Little China marquee behind them through Mm -hmm. the
1: window. Are you familiar with anything else that he's done as a director? Like I said, the only thing that I knew was uh, Panic in Needle Park.
0: Yeah, Panic in Needle, Needle Park. And he did another film called, um, I'm what is the name of it? Oh, Puzzle of a Downfall Child with uh, Faye Dunaway. Huh. That um, must have been an earlier one. It was, I was, I think, it was probably just right before Panic and Needle Park. But those are the two that I am uh, most familiar with of his. Because um, I, I didn't know that.
1: I didn't know that he had done Panic and Needle Park uh, until this. But you know, having you know having the recall now to go back and think. Uh, he's perfect for this kind of material with street smart um Mm -hmm. i have to say for the most part the direct a lot of the direction a lot of the production design i I can only imagine the headaches that the production design must have to do well not just with this movie but any movie where they're they're faking in um canada for an american Mm -hmm. city there's um A lot of things that we don't even think about because, you know, they wouldn't affect us unless we were filmmakers. But we're talking little things like license plates and street signs and Mm -hmm. building
0: signs, all that kind of stuff. A lot of French that you have to cover up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too. Yeah. Quebec is a bilingual city. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it would seem to me that I I, I think that more often than not, I'm not sure, but I'm going to say... That I think the majority of movies that are shot in Canada usually Vancouver sits, sits is is a is a very popular setting to kind of substitute for for the United States uh, because I can only imagine yes in in Quebec I didn't even think about that we're we're talking about uh, English and French signs that have to be covered up and I know they had I, I like three weeks to shoot in New York City does that sound about right. For, for, yeah, I think it was
0: three in, three in New York and four in Montreal. Um, but I have to say that they, they did a good
1: job editing because it's pretty seamless. Like, like you said, I, I I'm going to have to go back and watch those diner scenes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go back and look for the marquee for Big Trouble in Little China. But yeah, I could see that as distracting. But I have to say that, um, the, the direction of this movie is, is pretty, is pretty spot on for a kind of, um, uh, I would say that again, I think that Christopher Reeve, like his apartment's a little too clean to be like a CD reporter. But again, that's just, you know, that's just me. Although I think that his, his character in the movie is supposed to have come from a very, uh, good educational background so mm-hmm. maybe he's uh just a frustrated reporter is kind of at the end of his line or kind of seeing the writing on the wall that you know it 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 kind of takes these very um controversial topics i would say that something like this would what you know an article like this we would typically we might call clickbait today in today's society mm-hmm. something that's you're and there's a reason that clickbait works is because they we we see these um very very choice words that will immediately draw your attention. And I gotta I gotta say that if you're reading um, I he's a magazine reporter, correct? Is it or is it's a magazine that he writes for, not yeah. a newspaper, because he's given the cover of the magazine, so it's kind of um. I would say that the I, I, I got New Yorker vibes, the New Yorker mm. magazine vibes from whatever. I, I forget the name of the magazine that he writes for, but he's given the cover yeah. story. But it's very sens- sens- uh, sensationalized. That's the word that I was looking for. Uh. So it's something that's it's going to stick out on the newsstand when you see this, like, like the the true life story of a pimp. Like, that's something that's going to catch your eye. That's going to make you pick up that magazine over all the other ones. Um, so it's uh, it, the script is very, very interesting to me in that um, and thank you for filling in the background. I had no idea that the screenwriter had um, journalistic uh, backstory and that makes perfect sense because it is it, it seems to me very true to form. There's just little conversations about um, he's talking with the editors and they're talking about well we're gonna change this wording slightly and that kind of stuff to me rings very, very true um for someone that has has worked with journalists and other writers that th- that sort of dialogue um happens a lot and i'm sure that you can attest to that as well as being a being an
0: mm. author mm. i sp- speaking of of the 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 characters in the in the magazine that he works for i someone I really love is his editor andre Gregory from my my dinner with andre right but that's such a i i love that character there's a, he's like he's he's a sort, sort of your slimy stereotypical newspaper or magazine editor from from movies but the, one of my favorite scenes with him is there's there's scenes later where Reeve, uh Bruce's character Fisher is in jail mm-hmm. um because he won't give up his notes and well, his, we should his we should mention is telling him through we there we should he's mention like, oh, there we're... are
1: there are no notes because he made yes. this off. <laughs>
0: Right, right. And they're, and they're staging it as this great sort of, uh, um, in defense of journalism, he's, you know, he's, he's, um, defending and it's making him even more of a sham, but there's a great moment where, uh, his news, his magazine is paying for his lawyers and he is in jail and they're delaying the appeal because they're telling him that Jonathan Fisher, because he's in jail, they're going to put him on the cover of Newsweek magazine. <laughs> about yes. uh yep. doing a story about his plight and they're actually he, he's delay his reeve, Reeves character has to stay in jail longer because the magazine is then using him just like he has used so many other people to to further their own uh publicity needs and i just i love the scenes where you can it's 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 reeve sitting and sitting in in prison behind the little glass with the tiny little box you can talk through yep tiny little grate and He's just squirming because he does not want to be in prison and his uh his editor wants to just milk this this uh, this 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 reporter of theirs you know going to jail to defend his journalistic uh, ethos or, or whatever that that does not exist in in, in real life i just I, I love that that scene it is
1: it 's a very um like I said, a lot of this rings true to me. Like I, because it seems to me very realistic. Um, just that that I could totally, like you said, I could totally see an editor's. He's he's seeing dollar signs and he's seeing headlines. Down the you know, the longer he stays in jail, the better this is for our magazine. Mm-hmm. Just imagine, that you know, just imagine the the sales, you know, and mm-hmm. and you. Y- but it's – and another thing that's kind of – again, this is not a knock on Christopher Reeve, but it's it's hard to find sympathy for his character because, like you said, <laughs> he's exploited and used and, like, lied. So it's like, well, I, I, I can't really feel bad for the guy because, you know, he, on the one hand, he's he's he, – he continues to lie he never stops lying until like the Mm -hmm. till the very end um and so it's hard for me to find sympathy with him because i'm like well you kind of reap what you sow there buddy you know they're telling Mm -hmm. you to turn over the notes and you're saying that you won't do it under because of journalistic ethics when in mm-hmm. reality, you can't turn over the notes because there are no notes because you you made <laughs> up this entire story. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it is it <laughs> again no. Knock to read, but he is playing a character in in that moment where. I mean, I I myself watching it. I'm sure a lot of other people are just seeing him in jail and thinking, "Good, you you deserve to be where you are." Yes, you're, you're kind yeah. of happy to see him there.
1: Yeah, and and I mean. <clears throat> Ethics and journalism. I mean, it, it, it it's not a recent phenomenon to find out. I mean, there was that huge story with um, Glass, that guy that fabricated a whole bunch of articles. Um, they actually made a movie about his life, and I, I mean, so we got to uh, probably since you know you could argue that <laughs> the history of journalism that there's always been. Um, Deception in journalism, um, to to a certain degree. This is this is a very extreme example. Um, but we should comment that the reason that this story brings so much attention to Fast Blacks is um, Mimi Rogers, his character, who is excellent in this movie. And what what was her name? Punchy?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, or, oh, Kathy plays Punchy. Oh, I'm Mimi sorry. Mimi Rogers is his his, his girlfriend. Uh, Reeves. Girlfriend,
1: yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, so we're talking about, um, Kathy Baker then as the prostitute. Mm-hmm. And, yes, she, she, she claims that she doesn't have a pimp. It, it turns out that she does work for Fast Blacks. Um, so the stories that she's telling Reeve are, are true to a certain extent, but she's not, she's not putting a name to the face. And, uh Reeve kind of concocts and weaves this story. Um, you know, he's got the foundation from her, but then he, you know, he's um, he's adding the seasoning as a cook. And then the the meal that he has prepared, so to speak, that he delivers to his editor turns out to be um, in the editor's eyes, uh, gourmet cooking. But uh, we know mm-hmm. that it's fast food, not fast food nonsense that he's <laughs> he's fabricated and because he's fabricated it he has implicated fast blacks who um again the the way that between morgan's perf- performance and the way that he scripted as a character you don't see the savage nature of fast blacks ver- at the beginning of him you you can tell that he's intimidating you could tell that he's the man that runs the show but as far as um gruesome brutality we don't really get that he he kicks a guy he kicks a john um not the guy's name is john but you know the 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 name for someone that goes off with a mm-hmm. with a prostitute um th- this guy's roughing up one of his girls and he kicks him and it, it doesn't kick him very hard but the guy ends up having a heart attack and mm-hmm. so you know his defense lawyers trying to get him off on the charges, but the uh, the attorney general is pretty pretty um, hard fat, uh, hard set on uh, steamrolling this guy. And so, like <clears throat> I said, the brutality we don't get to see up close because it's a kick, and like you know, nine times out of ten, this guy's just you know you're gonna keel over from this kick that Morgan Freeman does but this guy must have had some sort of heart condition or hit his head the wrong way you know just it was like a million to one kind of thing that the guy ended up dying um so we but we see slowly that the more that christopher reeve pushes fast blacks the harder fast blacks pushes back and the scenes get gradually more intense that's what i really like about this movie up until the ending, which we will get to. The way that it's paced is that it's slowly um, ratcheting up the tension and the suspense and the drama, and we get to see the kind of... Not the evolution, but just... Um, I, I Morgan Freeman's character is very much... He knows that he... It's only it only becomes violent re- retaliation when it's absolutely necessary and there's a mm-hmm. there's a great scene where Christopher Reeve kind of questions this because he kind of says something to the to, along the lines of well i know what you're going to do you're going to intimidate me you're going to like put you know you're going to hold a knife up against me but then you're going to give me like um a reprieve or something and mm-hmm. That's, ooh, that's not not something you say to someone like uh, Fast Blacks. Um,
0: yeah, that's that's another great, I mean, there are many really great, great scenes in here. But that, yeah, I think it's, he says you're, you're going to scare me and then you're going to give me a reprieve and then Morgan threatens him again and Reeve quickly, you know, backs down. You can see him, he's like, okay, you scared me, you scared me, what yeah. next? Just <laughs> tries to disarm the situation as fast as he can because yeah, he's Reeve's character is somebody who <laughs> I think plays tough too. Like he's, but he's really he knows he's not.
1: So he's all bark and no bite, and mm-hmm. um, Morgan Freeman uh, will bark and will bite. Uh, he's he's mastered both, and, and and yeah, Christopher Reeve is trying. Um, you know, he wasn't prepared for this you know he's kind of forced into a position now where he's got to navigate this 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 legal situation where he's he's in big big trouble now you know we're not just talking about journalistic ethics we're talking about criminal charges and yeah, perjury
0: of um, <laughs> contempt yeah. of courts i think yeah
1: so and again we might as well get around to it i don't and and for those of you who are listening um who haven't seen the movie we we talk about movies that are decades old, so we will spoil them. We haven't spoiled the ending to this movie, but we are going to now so if, if you're still listening and haven't seen the movie i would um urge you to to seek out street smart because it's um and we'll talk about its uh it's place in canon history but it's it's not your typical canon movie and if you want to see the breakout performance of morgan freeman i mean i i can't remember uh, and i'm, I'm uh, you and i are I, I think very similarly close in age so for me to go back and watch this and to realize that morgan freeman's in his 40s and a grandfather this part i can't remember a time where um Morgan Freeman wasn't a part of my cinematic experience. I, I still, to this day, remember me and my friend Andrew as kids and his father taking us to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in the theater and seeing Morgan Freeman up there. So Morgan Freeman has always kind of been a part of my, my cinematic history. So this is this is his breakthrough performance. So if you want to see like um, why there was so much hype about Morgan Freeman, I, I urge you to go rewatch Street Smart, but let's talk about the ending now because I didn't like this ending um, at all. It it was a little too a clean cut for me. I, I And the ending of this movie finds that Christopher Reeve manipulates Fast Black's um, number one guy, and this guy ends up killing Fast Blacks, and then he's arrested for the murder of Fast Blacks, and then the movie ends with Christopher Reeve reporting on this. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: And to me, that just kind of like, ugh, kind of let the wind out of my sails, because I... If anyone died in this movie, I kind of wish that it was Jonathan Fisher. I think he was the Mm -hmm. one that deserved to kind of reap the consequences. So... I would kinda of, I like I said, I wonder if this was a studio note. Or I wonder if this was um and again, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I wonder if this was Christopher Reeve going I wonder if he read the screenplay, he's like, Oh my character dies at the end. No, we can't have that. The kill off Morgan Freeman. <laughs> you know <laughs> Um What are your thoughts on the ending? Because I really don't like I uh, yeah. This is just one of those endings I was um it's a very Hollywood ending to me. Like this is this mm-hmm. reeks of a Hollywood producer saying we need to leave let the audience leave happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are your thoughts I, on I, the
0: ending? I am completely with you there. The ending is one of my least favorite things about the movie and and not even just I wouldn't even say the whole last act. I would just say the last, like, six-odd minutes are what Mm -hmm. drive me nuts, because you get where Reeve comes clean. He doesn't seem to... I mean, again, this is, like, the last six minutes of the movie. He comes clean about everything he's done, and so uh, to his wife, but it still... It ends up with Fast Black getting out onto the street. And he does... He manipulates his sort of right-hand man into thinking that... Fast Black is after him, so when Fast Black goes to find him later on, he he the 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 flunky just panics and shoots him, thinking that Morgan Freeman's going to kill him. Right. And a that's it. It is just just kind of preposterous to, to me because it's if that was it seems like that was Reeves' plan, Fisher's plan all along. And oh, th- having things play out like that. Is just way too way too neat and clean. How Mm -hmm. how would that ever? How would that chain of events ever actually play out in that way? And even even the idea of turning his people his his right hand man against him like I I don't even hate that if it had been served a different purpose. You you know, purpose. Right, other than just having. Him randomly shoot Morgan Freeman by you're, you're, by accident, right? Or not accident, but by no, just
1: yeah. yeah. He he he. occurrence. but I think you're absolutely right. I think I, I yeah. I didn't want to give the wrong impression when I say I don't like the ending. Like I sometimes that means the last third of the movie. I'm talking like yeah, like you said, literally like the last five to six minutes. I I'm mm-hmm. with you a hundred percent. I think that there was a better way to handle the situation. I. It was not opposed to Jonathan Fisher manipulating this um, this underling to turn on his boss. I think, actually, the way that that played out uh, worked for me. And I was kind of on board to see where it happened. It was all when it, it seemed so rushed. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, because... It seems really rushed. It seemed like somebody else yes. wrote this because their inter the last interaction between the underling and Morgan Freeman just didn't ring true to me because Morgan Freeman wasn't being intimidated. He was like, What's going like why are you running from me? Like he mm-hmm. genuinely was confused about the situation. And I was like, Okay, this is interesting. Where's this gonna play out? And then he just gets shot and I was like, That's mm-hmm. it? And then Christopher Reeve comes on the scene to report on it, I'm like, no. Yes. <laughs> like, put this man back in jail. He's right, responsible. Right. He's responsible for another death.
0: <laughs> right, right. Like, so, He's, yeah. Please, please. It, it does drive me a little crazy that the, the the movie seems to end on Jonathan Fisher going largely unpunished. He's still got his TV show. He's still like a celebrity. <laughs> Uh, reporter, even after you just saw him lie in court, it's, again, like, you you, you don't have to punish every bad guy in a movie, but this... So there's something about Reeves' character, too. I I, I was thinking as we're talking here, which, again, he he doesn't give a bad performance, but the character he plays, if I were to make a list of my... the characters I like the most, my favorite characters in this movie, Mm -hmm. he would probably be in the sixth or seventh place before I would even think of Reeves' character because there are so many side characters besides Morgan Freeman, Kathy Baker, um, as I mentioned, Andre Gregory. There's one of the things we see at the end here and one of my few things I really like about the... uh, that I really like in these last... few things that I do like in the last minutes is when he's kind of on the steps of the courthouse um, cornered by the district attorney that was trying to put Fast Black away and just lost this case because... Because Christopher Reeve is a two-sided, you know, two-faced dirtbag. Mm-hmm. But he says to him, it's like, you know, this guy, he's out there. He's dangerous. This one person's killed. You've seen what he does to his woman. You know, he killed Punchy. Like, that's <laughs> that's something that happened right there. He's like, who's he going to kill again? And it's just, it's this character that he did, he has a few scenes in the movie. He has a great scene with, with Punchy where he's trying to get any info on. But he's the, he's he's like, the, he. A good guy. He's the hero of the movie. He should be the good. guy. <laughs> the closest thing we have to a good guy, and he's yeah. somebody who is just a minor character. And yeah, I, I, I'm with you. The ending is way too rushed. It's kind of implausible the way it comes together. And I'm, oh, it just makes me mad that <laughs> we don't see we don't see you know, Christopher Reeve getting hauled away in handcuffs as he's giving his report at the end.
1: No, or. Even this, just at the top of my head, how about this for a conclusion? Fast Blacks is confronting his underling, but Christopher Reeve has been trailing them. He's he's a couple feet back. The guy shoots, Fast Black moves, he ends up shooting Jonathan Fisher instead. How about that for an ending? There we go. (laughs) I'd be happy with that. (laughs) <laughs> that see to me that's kind of like okay, and then like they could deal with the consequences of fast blacks and this guy. They they're both kind of involved in this, you know, accidental shooting, um, something like that. But like you said, I I wonder, and like I get, yeah, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I just wonder that if Christopher Ree was just like, I, I I really would like to know if this was the original scripted ending, because I'm I'm. I'm doubting that it was because
0: yeah.
1: it's it, it. The rest of the movie, the way it's paced, again, like it, it's like somebody all of a sudden hits the decided to hit the gas pedal. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're cruising at like thirty five, forty five miles an hour. Then all of a sudden, we're you know we're driving seventy five down the highway. And the movie's wrapping up. You're like, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> like, I don't have enough time to digest this. Like, the rest of the movie, you're able to kind of sit with these characters. Especially the scenes where, you know, there's a, 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 there's a chunk of this movie where Christopher Reeve is in jail or in court. Uh-huh. And we get to kind of see the, the, the ramifications of um of what he's done. But this ending was just like, really? So this guy gets to report on this killing that, like I said... He was kind of responsible for it's. Mm -hmm. It would be like if after you know those the killings uh, back in the '90s, and all of a sudden OJ Simpson shows up to report on the (laughs) killing of like Nicole Brown, you'd be like, "Wait, something about this isn't right."
0: Right? Um, Yes. uh, Yeah. It's gosh. um, What was OJ's book called? If I did it or something yeah, like this, yeah, oh god, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's very much that <laughs> same sort of thing we're ending on here. I can. Do you mind if I propose an ending? I just, I just no, thought please, of another please. Fun. If we're a- making up better endings to Street a- Smart, absolutely, here. absolutely, please. So okay, so Christopher Reeve, his character uh, Jonathan Fisher, comes clean, and so that puts Flashback in jail. But then Christopher Reeve is also you know he's he goes up for contempt of court for perjury. He also goes to jail movie ends with christopher reeve feeling remorseful about everything he's done like he had turn his life life around and the the take into his cell and they close the you know the the jailer closes the cell door and you know the, there's a shift in light or the camera pans over and his uh his cellmate is fast black
1: <laughs> that's brilliant
0: yeah oh, and then we end right there he's right. just you know hey, a yeah. friend or yeah
1: <laughs> Oh, he's just sitting there sipping a Yoo-Hoo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, there's a lot of a lot of Yoo-Hoo product placement. I wonder if they uh, if Canon paid, if, if Canon collected any money from Yahoo for this. I'd have to dig through some papers.
1: <laughs> um, for those of you who like Yahoo. I have nothing against YooHoo, but it just recently came to my atten- well, not recently came to attention. But I used to really drink YooHoo until I noticed that it's a cho- it's a chocolate drink. It's not even chocolate milk; it's chocolate drink. <sighs> um, so you don't really know what you're drinking. But I don't want to knock YooHoo. But yeah, I I, I kind of think that anybody could have come up with a better ending. And I, unfortunately, we probably will never know. Um, I'm I'm interested. So where like it, you know given the year that this came out what else was coming out from canon around this time if off the top of your head um if you can if you remember
0: well 1987 was their the year of their really their really big movies um a lot of a lot of flops coming one one after another but we had over the top Oh, okay followed by superman 4 followed by masters of the universe those were all um in the first eight months of of uh 1987, and it um it was this one was really sandwiched right in the middle there. But I think you have something some things around the same size as as this. There would be, gosh, you would have well like movies like Barfly, movies like Tough Guys Don't Dance, uh, John Godard's King Lear um kind of really in this same sort of wheelhouse like serious films I guess quote unquote for for canon things that are kind of going for awards yeah um going for acclaim over maybe box office but yeah so this this would have so february february 87 was over the top this would have been march of 87 um same time as same month as the barbarians the bar with the two barbarian brothers the twin bodybuilders yeah and uh, down Twisted would have came out in the same same within a few weeks of of this but wow. yeah Street smart it, it fell into a kind of trap because Canon didn't really Canon occasionally made good movies by almost by accident and this is definitely <laughs> a better Canon movie there's again outside of the ending and a few a few odd moments here and there there's a there's a there's a scene where um uh christopher reeve and kathy baker's character the the, the, the prostitute finally sort of the day he ends up cheating on his girlfriend with, mm-hmm. with with punchy during an interview and it plays natural woman the song yeah <laughs> Over top of it suddenly drowns out their dialogue and there's like the beginnings of a sex scene that we don't actually see anything too uh risque but it it just is so loud in the soundtrack and it's it feels like something that should be in like a, a romantic comedy or like a chick flick or something and not not playing over the top of a scene where a slimy journalist is Cheating on his sympathetic girlfriend with a poker in a seedy New York motel room.
1: Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> the the that,
0: choice of song there is so weird.
1: It is very weird. And again, I just wonder if this was just like they're like, well, we got this this great like we're gonna play this really like sleazy like it, it, like they should be playing like a sleazy underground disco funk song or uh like a punk song or something not natural (laughs) you make me feel like a natural woman it's kind of (laughs) like it's it it kind of it's very counterintuitive to the tone of the scene it's Uh um i i kind of get what they're going for that you know punchy actually does kind of (laughs) really like (laughs) like him but yeah, the, uh, you, just when you mentioned that, I'm like, oh yeah, that was an odd song choice. Mm-hmm. But um, and the
0: and, this, and the score uh, by Robert Irving has Miles Davis all over it, which is it's it's just great. I mean, Robert Irving played with Miles Davis right. throughout those years, and it's just like you know, do, do you have like a like a really sleazy miles davis rip or like one of the you know something something jazzy something something that would naturally give it a much seedier feel but you can you can have the romance in there it's You've got musicians who are certainly capable of it right. to to use this strange, strange musical cue, an appropriate musical cue.
1: Just off the top of my head, yeah, Miles Davis. You know, is best known for kind of you know for for jazz, but he did some like you know some acid jazz fusion, funk, uh, Bitches Brew, and On the Corner, mm-hmm. both very very funky, funky records that would have worked so much better than Natural Woman. Not to say that Natural Woman isn't a good song. It just kills the tone of that scene. Um, and like you said, for the most part, like the rest of the music, it's seamless. It it fits perfectly for this the, for the tone of this movie. So there's just some, some weird production choices that seem to have gone on behind the scenes. Um, and I don't, you know, more often than not, I would point at... Um, The canon Group, but I kind of think that they left. That this movie was kind of like, uh, just to appease Christopher Reeve. Whatever you want, just as long as we get to make Superman four. Like you know, you could choose the you know, you get to make a lot of the creative. As long as you stay within budget, you know, you, you, you pretty much the world is yours. Just you can make this movie, but. But Superman 4 has got to be gangbusters for us. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was, Superman 4 <laughs> is atrocious. Um, it's I have a lot of negative things to say. But you just brought up a, a slew of movies that I, I generally, genuinely like. I like over the top. I loved Masters of Universe as a kid. Um, be growing up as a He-Man fan. I remember the first time I saw that. Um, that movie is Quite violent for a children's movie, actually, um, which I kind of dug as a kid. And um, Barfly, I- I'm a Bukowski fan and I'm a Mickey Rourke fan, so yeah, sign me up for some Barfly. So I-, I think it's very interesting what you said. Cannon made good movies almost by accident, and this this one, I obviously not it wasn't an accident, but the uh, the reason it got made wasn't because that they thought they were gonna make. You know, millions that this was going to be their next um, action hit or anything. This was pretty much we need to get Superman back on board, kind of. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what right. it, it seems and to me.
0: It was it was a movie that Reeve had. I mean, he was he was happy with it while it was going on. I think he was upset by certain things. Uh, certain alarm bells were starting to sound. Namely, I mean, one of the one of the things was that's um, not being able to shoot the whole thing in New York, choosing to shoot it in Canada yep. for two reasons. A, to save money, it's cheaper, but also B, to avoid certain union roles. You, mm-hmm. can, you can work with a non-union cr- crews in Canada, and, and Reeve was not happy about that as someone who's a vocal union supporter. But he, I mean, even when they were making this movie, you can see on set interviews where he's like well if canon doesn't have money to shoot shoot street smart this relatively small um drama thriller whatever you want to call it in new york how are they going to have the money to shoot superman 4 in new york as they're planning yeah. and so certain things were starting i think he was starting to worry and then when this movie came out it would have um canon when when they made movies they off uh, when they made Again, g- good movies—movies movies that had actually a chance of <laughs> getting some critical success and doing some box office—and and *Street Smart* is a movie with that wound up receiving an Oscar nomination. Right. Or, but they didn't know what to do with them. I nope. really, truly, they could—they couldn't market them the same way they would market a Chuck Norris or uh, *Death Wish* four or something along those lines. Right. And. It was unfortunate. So there, there was that. They didn't know how to market this film. No. But also, they, they, they were they were bleeding money. They were in serious, serious financial trouble behind the scenes here, which you can see on screen and when you watch something like Superman 4. Oh, So they yeah. didn't really have the money to spend on, on marketing for this. So they put this movie out, and even though it got great reviews, it got a very small release and little in the way of advertising when when it was when it came out a lot of a lot of places and then it forgot got the little trickle release it would it would be released here for a while and then it would open into the city and then this city because they didn't have the money for to put out for tons and tons of prints to send all over the country so they right. did a smaller print and sent them from theater to theater and state to state
1: if you want to see something uh slightly awkward but very interesting i don't know if you've seen it there there is, um, available on YouTube, it's not the best quality, but, um, there's an interview with, uh, Christopher Reeve on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson talking about Street Smart and Superman 4. Um, yeah, you could, you could see he's trying, he's trying so hard. God bless him. He's trying to talk, cause he's, he's talking about how great Street Smart is, um, he seems far more interested in talking about Street Smart than he does Superman Four, because um, he seems genuinely um, engaged with Carson to talk about Street Smart and some of the behind-the-scenes stories and and stuff, and some um, he's just got some wonderful little anecdotes. And but then when it comes to talk about Superman Four, he turns into like. Um, These were clearly written by a media press person because he's talking about how great Superman Four is and how proud of it he is, and I'm like, "Ooh, did you see? Did you have you? Did you watch the same movie that I did? Um, It's 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 interesting. It's 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 worth checking out." Um, But he he talks. Um. Apparently, Christopher Reeve um was so invested in this role that he actually went on patrol with with vice cops in New York City for a while. Um uh but slowly but surely he started getting recognized and um you know the the even prostitutes know who superman is so know, right yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just very it um it's just, it just the behind the scenes kind of stuff is just fascinates me um before we start wrapping up do you have any more behind the scenes uh stories or little anecdotes about street smart that you know our listeners might not know about
0: well, let me, let me think for a moment. Sure, we covered a lot of the bases that, that I, 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 I really think were the most important, but yeah, for, for, for Reeve, he, he really did his best to promote this movie, even though Canon gave him very little help. Mm-hmm. And it was unfortunate because he was, as, as I mentioned earlier, he really had, would had hoped this would be his witness and while he was getting ready to do Superman 4, he watched canon, kind of just put it out there without any fanfare or support or any sort of large release. So you could see where, then especially rolling into <laughs> into Superman 4, why he would have almost no faith in that project yet go through the motions anyway, even though there's there's no budget and the movie is... <laughs> You, it, already feeling very silly and you can sort of just, I don't know, Chris, if, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he had felt pretty defeated when yeah. he was walking into Superman four. Uh,
1: it's interesting because just going back to the Carson interview immediately, the things that he, he talks about with Superman four are the two best things about Superman four, Gene Hackman and Margot Kidder coming back those are the, mm-hmm. those are like the two things that he he kind of latches onto and i could see that cuz he doesn't want to talk about the story or the special effects because the story is is muddled mm-hmm. and the special effects are for for a movie that came out well over a decade since the first one are are below what they did in 78 and 79 like they they move backwards so, like, he, yes. he, he latches on to how great, how funny Gene Hackman is and how great it was to have Marco Kidder come back. So, like, yeah, I could tol- I can totally see him just being a defeated man. But for him, I think he missed something crucial here. If he wanted this to be his witness, Harrison Ford's character and witness is very likable. He, mm-hmm. He's not playing a likable <laughs> character here. Uh, right. and, and it's not to say that this movie isn't fantastic. Like I said, apart from, you know, a couple, the, the, what we brought up, this movie, for the most part, is pretty great. And you can see mm-hmm. why Morgan Freeman got a Best Supporting Actor nomination. I mean, when anytime he is on screen, like... You don't want, you, you can't take your eyes off of it. It's kind of like when there's a Christopher Reeve scene, that's when you go up and use the bathroom or,
0: or get, you know, oh, yeah. get a drink or something. <laughs> go re- but if it, your glass.
1: Yeah, but if Fast Blacks is on screen, you're, you're, your eyes are glued because you just want to see what he's going to say next or what he's going to do next because he's just so, I don't know, he's just you know, like he's very animalistic in a way. Um, but. Um, Austin, um, anything coming up? And I know that uh, Volume Three is going to take a while, but anything coming up as far as book appearances or documentary appearances that you would like to talk about?
0: Well, I I really hope so. This the first book was released in you know, June of twenty twenty. Really, <laughs> the peak of everything being locked down. So there were there was nothing in terms of book events when, sure. the, when the first volume came out, and that was that was disappointing. But I'm able to do that for this one i've actually i've i i'm, I'm do, doing my first ones and hoping to do a lot more uh at, at the time we're we're recording this episode i am actually heading out of town this this coming weekend to um introduce movies at action fest at the mahoning drive-in that's so, awesome are, are you I'm, allowed to tell well actually
1: this movie this is going to come out after that so what movies are you presenting if you if you know
0: so th- yeah, this is exciting. So Saturday night I'm introducing their um, their screening Kickboxer. Oh and sweet. Ninja Three the Domination, both on thirty five millimeter. The 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 headlining movie tonight is Commando, which I'm just excited to be there be there for. I, I love that movie. Yeah. But yeah, so on Saturday night the second and third movies are Kickboxer and Ninja Three. And then Sunday is what I'm even more excited about is Exhumed Films who their group that they put a lot of a lot of together really great genre screenings uh, on film all over various places particularly up in the on the on the east coast but they they are doing a two hour Canon trailer reel so it's all 35, million, 35 millimeter Canon trailers um cut together one after you know just all sure. the all the into one gigantic reel that will play from beginning to end so i am so excited for that because canon trailers if you want to boil down any any canon movie to its craziest parts and one and a half minutes and have (laughs) most of them narrated by optimus prime peter collin at the time was doing most of the canon trailers it's i i i i love canon trailers and i can't imagine how like exhausted i am going to be by (laughs) by the end of watching them for two hours straight but i am so excited
1: i that sounds amazing uh the 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 only thing that i've seen i once watched a compilation of the 42nd street trailers which is a real (laughs) grindhouse kind of stuff but yeah canon trailers yeah they're so over like you get it's like a greatest hits kind of thing instead of doing the deep dives on the album you just get the greatest hits right there um right any any final thoughts on Street Smart? And uh, before you go, please let us know where we can fo- follow you on social media.
0: Sure. Well, Street Smart is a movie that, again, I am—I I was saying before we started recording—that I am really excited that you had touched base about this one because it's a movie that it is an underseen, Canon movie, and it is surprisingly really good. You wouldn't—if you didn't see the Canon logo at the beginning—you would never think it was a—it was a Canon film. No. But it, it would yeah, be very I, easy I, to
1: see the new line logo or the old um, <clears throat> Touchstone logo or something come yeah, up first. Yeah,
0: or Orion or something or, like right, that. Right, right. Yeah,
1: no, you yeah. Once yeah. you see the two C's come together, you're like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and, and then what you get is is a pleasant uh, is a pleasantly surprising, uh, very urban drama. But I, I think I think he kind of hit the nail on the head on why this didn't do well, Canon... Didn't know how to market this movie, and not only that, they didn't seem to be interested in marketing this movie. Um, but no, they
0: were they were basically bailing water over the side of their sinking ship. twenty four seven at that point so in canon history.
1: This was the point that the Titanic had already hit the iceberg, and we were start, we were starting that slow um, decline. <laughs> so
0: right, right, exactly.
1: So um, but, social media, where people can yeah. uh,
0: find you. Sure, I am at Canon Film Guide, Um, all just all one word on Twitter and on Facebook, and I'm posting on both places as as often as I can. Twitter every day and Facebook as close as I can to it. But yeah, that's where I share all the stuff that I can't possibly fit in the books or that I find (laughs) out in the time since. it's just a fun place, and it, it, if anybody has any questions about any canon movies they want to talk about, I'm I'm always up for it. That's 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 a good place to uh, to shoot me. Any question, I'll do my best to answer it for you.
1: <laughs> I mean, Austin, thank you so much. Your wealth of knowledge is just amazing. Like I said, you've got the PhD in canon history, and if you're not if you're a fan of canon or just like a fan of movies in general, and you're not following Austin on on Twitter then you're you're missing out and his social media links are going to be in the episode description as well as the amazon links to order his books that are available and now is it just volume 2 available in soft cover hardcover and Kindle or is that for the same as volume one yeah
0: there yeah we both both edition both volumes are out in ebook and Kindle edition so yeah it's a it's a really nice cheap way to, to pick it up if I know they're the, the the physical books are, are pricey, so it's nice to have the the option out there for people who would still like to read it, but <laughs> would like to read it about, I think, one one-sixth or one-seventh of the price.
1: Right. Uh, one last question in regards to the books. Any talk about um, doing an audiobook?
0: I hope so. I hope that happens one, uh, sometime. I I don't have anything set in stone right now, but I... I would really, really love to see that in the future, but I'm that'll gonna, be a, a uh, conversation with my publisher. I, okay. <laughs> I, that's, hopefully he'll, uh, we'll make some sort of plans in the future. I would love for that to happen.
1: Well, if it, if it doesn't happen, um, Austin, you're always, I, I'm going to uh, open invitation here. If I, uh, we've got plenty of Canon movies down the line to talk about. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. This was just a fantastic episode. Um, Love to talk about this movie because this is not typical canon fare. And like you said, I'm sure you get to talk about Ninja Three and uh, all that you know, Death Wish Three and all the all those all those um, very fun action movies. But to to do a deep dive on something like Street Smart, which is uh, it truly, as much as we've derided some of it, it's it's well worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Just for Morgan Freeman's performance alone, um, you, you, you're, you're not going to come away from this feeling like you've wasted your time in any sort of way. Um, Austin, I can't thank you enough. All his links are in the episode description. Please support him on Twitter, follow him, and order his books. I, I'm sure that if the book sales increase, that the chances of an audiobook would increase so let's um let's let's hope for that um austin thank you again so much
0: thank you for having me back it's fun
1: all right this is chris from the cold film companion podcast signing off good night